and you're gay. We're all gay in some ways. I'm gay and you're gay, but I'm gay on some days. We, we are always ready. You're yeah, always ready. Handing yes. out comedy left and right. <laughs> and I'm missing and it. And the just world not, deserves it. The world turned upside down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Hi. Welcome to Two and a Half Lesbians. I think. Yeah. Are we recording yeah. now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're on. Let me explain. We just had two rounds of solid jokes and solid, we were not solid. recording yet. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, that's on me. I was like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if this is the right. <laughs> Am I ready? Watching us it. like, what's going to happen next? <laughs> I like to live my life as if someone's recording it every minute. So at every minute. I try to only say things that I would yeah. hope. You know, Sometimes I palette. turn over my shoulder and just wave at the non-existent camera. Over I think there. that's probably a good yeah. life motto. That's motto? definitely the... Um, yeah. Like Mantra. the Truman Show paranoia in me. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh, I mean, what if someone's recording me right now? You know, the I, thing uh, that made me most paranoid about that movie was that someone made a movie about that private thought of my own. See, but that like, <laughs> I'm the opposite of paranoid about that. If I found that out, I feel like my first reaction would be like, oh, thank God I really want to watch way. that tape back. Yeah. And I watch it back. There are so many moments, especially when I've been blacked out, that I cannot remember. That would be so fun to be like, oh, I want to watch that conversation happen or I want to relive that thing. You know, I don't. Oh, I you, know, I you know how don't. people who uh, talk about like near death experiences or whatever and they're like, oh, my life flashed before my eyes. I'm like, that sounds awful. Like, I don't want <laughs> to see incredible. myself it's happened to me twice. relive. <laughs> Awkward, weird moments in my life. Again, I, I mean, the highlight reel would be nice, but mm-hmm. not the awkward reel. That's true. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I would really appreciate the awkward moments. I'm such a big, like, learning from experience person and, like, failing hard so that you don't do it again that I'm right. like, I might really enjoy watching. <laughs> I'm just already an overthinker. Oh, yeah. And I just feel like it would be a torture reel. <laughs> it's like, trust me, I've already relived it 3,000 times. Yeah. Like, One more on the big screens. You're like, just, if I can see it in its exactness, it could throw off my entire understanding of myself. I mean, maybe it would clarify <laughs> some things so I could let them go, but I just my don't know. My mom has the best story about her childhood that is like, oh my, she just relives it over and over and feels so bad. There was this girl in her class when she was growing up. She threw away um, like a pencil case that she didn't want anymore that was like Western themed. Mm-hmm. And this girl in class who was like a little bit less well off than the rest of the class went and took it out of the trash can. And yeah. my mom went over to her desk and said, hey, that's mine. Uh, and took it back no. and took it back took it back solid and like she eight or nine told year old. us that story like it was the learning lesson of a lifetime and it was right. it was sure. that it is certainly painful. was for her how old was she she was probably like in third grade you know yeah. but she thinks about that as like oh, what an asshole was yeah. i that i couldn't let her have that stupid pencil right. case. isn't it interesting that like shame is passed from generation to generation mm. like i have stories like that about my mother yeah where she felt really awkward or full of shame and I still carry it. And I don't really carry it. I well, just think it's a really good life lesson story. Sure, sure. But I mean like carried into my behavior and how I trust or sure. treat people. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that like it like makes passed. you a better yeah. person. You're my like, mother I'm has absolutely no regrets for anything ever. Ever? For her entire... Not Ju- a single Judy, thing. No. come in here. <laughs> <laughs> don't come in here. We're just and recording. speaking of Judy, she is here today. Judy with the bloaty. She's such a cutie. Yeah. 
My mom's she, here, you guys. Yeah, but she's, she's not in the room. She's just no, in she's, the house. She's doing her laundry. Yeah, Good for her. yeah she's it's like, very well, easy to have her out. I'm gonna do my laundry. That is kind of how she, she sounds. She, she just wrapped up in yeah. that little quilt last night. She adorable? looks so much like something my mom would do. It'd just be like cocoon herself on the couch and watch Bake Off. It was so cute. Yeah, <laughs> my mom's adorable, you guys. She's just just barely five feet tall. <laughs> She's shrinking. She's in her seventies, and so she's not five feet tall anymore. Don't tell her I said it. But she's very cute. She's very kind too. Yeah, she bought us pie. Who can turn down a pie? I mean, but speaking of life lessons, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to episode twenty-five. Yeah, yeah. this is exciting. Um, so over this last week, we received some very. Uh, uh, powerful but welcome feedback. So thank you for our community for yeah, reaching out. You. Did we announce what podcast we're listening to? Two and a half lesbians. I think I started. Yeah, we in. said that okay. at yeah. the very beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, um, feedback. And um, some feedback. we're so grateful for it because oftentimes, and this is something that I've been learning over the past week and a half after receiving the feedback, is that um, oftentimes it becomes like we might say the words LGBTQ plus, but it becomes an an L and a G club where where and, and it's really centraled around that. And I don't want to be that anymore. Like I want to be better. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working really hard to expand my education. The feedback was about our non-binary discussions last week and mm-hmm. that they are inaccurate, not from uh trans and non-binary sources Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I want to apologize this is Kirsten speaking and um, I want to apologize for my role in that and how and let you know that I am working to educate myself and I plan on sharing some of that education in the future as I take time to ask questions and learn more and really digest it in a way that's going to be presented uh, hopefully accurately, <laughs> right. but know that well, like we are not experts. Right, I was we say, are came at a very valid point yeah. when we were discussing this that we're not experts. Yeah. We're people who are also trying to educate ourselves. So we very much welcome the feedback, yes, and information coming yes. from other people. And please expect that we will mess up again. So much we'll mess up very hard. But Big I think time. the the worst thing that could happen when you get feedback in life and on this podcast is that it shuts you down, yeah. or that it means you stop because you're afraid to mess up. Messing up is a natural part of life. And right. There shouldn't be any shame, speaking of shame, associated with it. So we are so grateful for the feedback. We're going to do our best to educate ourselves and ask the questions we need to so that we, if anyone is trying to take us seriously, please don't. But if you're trying to, (laughs) uh, that we, that what we are talking about is accurate because we, that's the whole point. We're trying to learn. That's why we started this. Right. I also want to point out that. educating ourselves while hopefully you learn something too. Yeah. Right. And one, it's even more wonderful when someone out there knows more than we do and can say, oh, hey this is a great way to handle that or this is the way to talk about that or totally yes yeah and or look and up this person please remember that you know we do not represent the community nope In any does of the community right we don't even represent uh bi and lesbian right. people we represent ourselves um, but because we are putting this in a place where other people can access it publicly, we do want to do our best. So we're going to work Absolutely. on that and we're learning uh, how to do that. And so yeah. you know, if you have ideas, we have some really good resources that we're, we've started sharing on our page. But if you see more ressources, please send them our way. We are happy to read a book like yeah. whatever we need to do. Talk to <laughs> and that's a good one. And that's a really good reminder. <laughs> we have started to get a couple more listeners, which we are absolutely so excited so about stoked. that anybody cares yes. at all. So if you are listening, please follow us on Instagram. Please follow us on Facebook. We always post what we're talking about that week there. Uh, And Kirsten's really amazing at posting links to things that might help uh, educate and and inform. So so much going on 
in two and a half the world every single week and we don't get even close to covering it on this podcast so i share a bunch of links throughout the week of different things that are happening in different countries or different breakthroughs with different laws or maybe regressions you know so just Mm -hmm. dive in enjoy and always open for feedback thank you now on that note sorry sorry. i was gonna say i think that's why it's important that we're always having a conversation we're not necessarily reporting all of the facts of anything no we're not reporters and our biggest source is wikipedia which is definitely absolutely not the best source in the world you know which is why it's uh, again why i like that we're having a conversation we're not necessarily saying that Mm-hmm. hands down this is the information you we're need. not historians Absolutely. we are not like there are <laughs> yeah. so many things we're not like i have a degree right. in be. business yeah you have a degree in uh, theater performance but um, your minors in history, history. thank you and lisa's a massage, a massage therapist degree. and uh, <laughs> we're obviously experts so <laughs> yeah. this is a this podcast intention is for a friends yeah. getting together discussing things that we're interested in and learning if you remember us in episode one and two like we knew nothing right. about Anything. even lesbian history let alone and anything I've forgotten else. more than we've taught me too <laughs> well and I feel like too really what we're trying to do is we're just trying to show you these different samples of stories that like this this exists and if one of those stories or ideas you really catch on to and you want to deep dive in absolutely yeah. this is not the podcast to do that deep dive on sure but we're just touching on things and we're you know it's great and I thinking think of deep dives what? I'm just I oh, we've both tried to transition twice yeah. now to what the episode's <laughs> oh, going to be about. Got one. Oh, I was just going to say, oftentimes I think in my head, and this is just me uh, being a little bit vulnerable and sure. also sharing that I get to grow from this, is I often am imagining my conservative parents when I'm talking through this mic yeah. and not recognizing that there's a whole myriad of people who are looking for content that represents them and right. I will do better. It, on that note, this <laughs> week's episode is our 25th episode, so we are excited Woo-hoo! to talk we about... We have a theme. We're all covering the same person. Topic. Yeah. So we're going to kind of reverse our order. Normally do we do a crime, a moment and a person in LGBTQ plus history. But right. this week we're reversing it. We're talking about the person, Alan Turing. Um, Lisa's going to start and With talk his about life. his personal life. And then this is Kirsten. I'm going to talk about um, the World War Two and the computer. And then Kay is going to talk about the crime and his uh, a sad sad demise there at the end all right heartbreaker yeah okay guys we're talking about alan turing this guy uh there was a movie made about him a couple years ago the imitation game and some of that's going to be covered by kay and kirsten i'm going to give you the the very quick summation of his early life he was born in 1912 nope Yes. 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 1912. Great um, start. Thank you. As you're um, saying facts, everybody, very <laughs> important. <laughs> he had one brother uh, that was older than him. He had his two parents. His One of his grandfathers had been a minister in the, in the British West Indies. Uh, he and his family moved back and forth between England and India quite a bit when, in his young years. When he was finally going to school, they were like, wow, this kid is... Super good with numbers. Straight up. Uh, as soon as he was in school and as soon as he, like, every, uh, he started going to prep schools and really good schools. And, yeah. like, and every school he he stepped in through the front doors, they were like, make sure this kid is heading towards greatness because his brain is working faster and better than, than we've seen in a long mm, time. That's cool. Uh, and so he went to a lot of preparatory schools. He was highly influential in developing a theater, uh, what, I mean, the theoretical computer science, um, later in his life. Um, so the schools and things that he went to, um, it, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. Uh, can I just interject real yes. quick? How, 
weird is it? And I think we all go through this at some point in our life when you realize that your brain works differently than the person across from you. Yeah. And like how trippy that is because it is so hard to get out of the own your own way that right. your head works, however you visualize things, however you explain things, however you talk to yourself. And they're just coming out with now people talk to themselves differently. There are mm-hmm. lots of people who don't think in full sentences and never have and, and don't know how to, right. you know, and it's like, what? Well, you don't have an inner narrator. That's insane. Yeah. So like the idea of being like a young kid and they're telling you your brain works totally different from everyone else around you. I mean, I just feel like that would be such a a strange thing to go through as a kid. Well, one of the reasons we're talking about Alan on this show today, he met his first love Mm -hmm. when he was about 12, 13 years old when he was at school. Another boy that he went to school with. His name is listed. I have to scroll through to find it. I already (laughs) forgot his name. School, Christopher uh, Morcom. Okay. Uh, they met at school. Um, there is reference to them being lovers when they were in school, like uh, experimenting with each other. Sure. Um, but Christopher actually died very young. He mm-hmm. had... Um, Tuberculosis. Yes, which had been part of... a. He was poisoned by some bad cow's milk when he was quite young. I know, I, when I was reading this, I was like, what? Bovine tuberculosis in, oh, uh, wow. contracted after drinking infected cow's milk. I didn't know that was previously. a thing. Me neither. Yes. And so he actually died in 1930. Um, as Alan got older, he was hiding his homosexuality. He mm-hmm. had to. It was England, and it was a, it was a crime to be gay mm-hmm. um, in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, etc. Um, but... Again, the, his mind was working so strong, and, and so he kept his focus on math. In 1941, I believe he became engaged to, I'll come, I, hold on, her name is coming, uh, Joan Clark, who was also a woman who was a mathematician, a fellow mathematician with him. Um, they only stayed engaged for a little while because he was like, yeah, of course I'm gay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like, yeah, I love you, bro, but this, I'm not going to marry you because... In the movie, do you think they like? From what I remember, do they? Do you think they like hype up the Kira Knightley? Because I think Kira Knightley plays her in the yes. film. They hype up their relationship. They were good friends. Okay, they they knew each other well. They did date, um, and right. then eventually. But I think they stayed friends. Like she never turned her back on him. She was never like, Ech, "Get away from me." Yeah. yeah. Like, from my research, it was also like she was accepting of how he is and he still called it off so yeah, interesting he was the one that called it off not her there's a couple of those types like i'm because i really want to do cole, cole porter one of these days mm-hmm. and that deliverly movie is amazing but he was married for uh, for his entire life to a woman that by all intensive purposes they had a very strong love mm-hmm. it just probably wasn't always a romantic love um but like you see that a lot in history with a woman who finds out is gay and it she understands, but I can't think of one single example of it happening the other way around of a woman marrying a man and the woman is lesbian and the man is totally, is totally kind about it. You know, I can't, <laughs> I mean, remember. my ex-husband was fairly kind. I think about, about history. Oh, I'm not a historical figure. What am I saying? <laughs> 1940s. <laughs> Sorry. You're right. It's, no, it's probably just, not documented, but there, I do think that that is a interesting, uh, dynamic as a, well, a straight woman in a world where you man. really can't get divorced. Mm hmm. Or it's harder to get divorced right. in yeah. so many ways. Yeah. I could see it happening a ton, but just right. not being visible. Yeah. It's like you just keep it high, hidden and you're not sexually attracted to each other. So you don't know, you know, you just yeah. don't yeah. talk about it. Yeah. I was just going to give a quick list of the schools that he went to. He went to uh, University of Cambridge um, and Princeton University. He also taught 
There's a long list. <laughs> a lot. University of Manchester, Government Code and Cypher School, National Physical Laboratory. Like, he taught at mm-hmm. a lot of places as mm-hmm. well. Um, he won the Smith Prize in 1936. Um, <laughs> they were trying to describe, like, his field. Like, what was his precise field? We've got uh, logic, mathematics, uh, cyph- uh, crypto uh, analysis, computer science, mathematical and theoretical biology, that's a good list. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was a teacher. So he was kind of lazy. He wasn't doing much. <laughs> I know. He <laughs> didn't have much on his mind. Seriously, <laughs> in his 41 years, he just did not accomplish much. What can I say? Too bad. Why did we pick him again? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because yeah. he's the smartest human that ever lived. <laughs> um, and in fact, they talk about when he was in school and he, when he finally came up to like learning about Einstein's equations and stuff like that he actually took it in very quickly and was like, oh, so this, 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 this means this and blah, blah, blah. And then people were like, wait, you shouldn't understand that. You're in the third grade. Hmm. And he was like, well, I do. <laughs> so, and that was, be- that was before he'd ever been introduced to even calculus. And so like, he, was, he was already calculating yeah. at high levels before he was educated to do so. That's crazy. So right. it was pretty impressive. He had, uh, like I said, uh, two parents, a brother, and uh, yeah. eventually a fiance, and a, and a true love at one point in his life. But he never, he was never married. But he right? never married. Okay. He never, um, he did have a, a couple of other encounters with men throughout his life. And eventually uh, his last uh, noted relationship was the oh, one he I'm was. I'm going to cover that. Yeah. The one that Kay's going to cover. Yeah. I the, sure am. Was the crime. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to pass the pass the mic per se to uh, Kirsten. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, the reason why we're talking about Alan is because he his impact on us today would just baffle, I think, most people. It's uh, absolutely everything because of this. And yeah. The, so <laughs> she, what she's referring to is like her smartphone. Uh, he Alan is really the father of modern computing. He was the father of AI. Um, which is incredible. He's mm-hmm. the father of, um, I, I don't know if I could claim he's the father of algorithms, but he's really the one who started, who leveraged algorithms. So algorithms are basically, I, I'm going to butcher this if you're a mathematician, but <laughs> it's where you can We take, want your feedback, all he, you mathematicians <laughs> listening out there, please. He can basically compile a secret sequence of patterns that replicate that uh, can basically crunch data at levels that humans could never do in a lifetime. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, stuff that would take 5 million years or more. Mm -hmm. He can, his, his algorithms can teach a computer or a machine to do it for us. And, um, and faster and faster and because of that uh he had significant impacts on both our modern world as well as our historical world so um on the day after uh britain declared war on germany in world war ii um he actually showed up to work as a um cryptologist uh he worked with the what is it called um the cypher school at uh, Betchley Park, and that was, the, and then what he did there was he helped them actually uh, crack several different codes. Now, in the movie The Imitation Game, they sp- they specifically make it all around the Enigma machine. Mm-hmm. So basically, Germany was using this uncrackable uh, system where it was like. 15 million 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 variables that you would have to try every single day in order to crack it like it's just impossible for a pre-computer world Mm -hmm. and so he took a uh basically a machine concept from a polish inventor um called the bomba and called it the turning bomb and he 
uh, applied some algorithms to it basically to to use some some really fancy thinking to um, basically add some intelligence to it so that it could actually crack these codes faster. It's really checking for patterns, right? It's looking yeah. for a repetition. So basically you can take things like the word weather report in a weather report and you know that those letters are going to be visible every single day. Mm -hmm. So if, you th if you've seen the movie, they have basically, uh, what is it called? A typewriter. And inside that typewriter, there's a series of like, if you get the, the de-encryption, you can set the settings and then by hitting the letter, it'll tell you what letter that is supposed to mean. And, mm. and then you can get the order. So the, one of the big codes that he broke was actually for the Unabombers. Is that what it's called? No, the U-bomb boats? U-bombs. U-bomb. Yeah. So Unabomber was something Unabomber else. something else. Sorry. <laughs> um, so the significance of this is like, Britain was trying to get supplies across the Atlantic Ocean and those supplies were getting hit regularly by the submarines. So what he did was he was able to crack the code of their instructions so he could see if they were coming and they could divert their forces. And the significance of this is then, is then you know, the war can get its supplies. Mm -hmm. He also helped crack a very important code that was specifically between Hitler and his generals. Mm -hmm. So he, over the time of his career working in this super, super ultra top secret um, group is that he was able to work with a series of other mathematicians but really he was the cornerstone in creating different machines and different uh techniques in order to crack these codes and then essentially uh, uh create a dynamic where um, we were able to win the war two years early like winston churchill even says this war would have mm -hmm. lasted at least two more years if it wasn't for alan i remember the chills i got in that scene where he goes what are they going to say every day they have to say heil hitler at the right. end of the letter, whatever they're sending, right. the ending so has to be Heil Hitler. So we know we have these letters and we know what those letters are. And then he puts that in and it's like, well, we get more letters. Yeah, it was yeah. so yeah. cool. And some of the inaccuracies of the movie include uh, just kind of more, he didn't get as much, uh, uh, there wasn't as much against him as they mm, show in the sure. movie. Yeah. Um, he was a bit eccentric. Like he rode his bike everywhere mm -hmm. in life. Like he was just a big. That day that he showed up. Uh, to the, the school after the bombing. Mm -hmm. He rode his bike 60 miles to get there. Yeah, because wow. there was an interruption with the train. I read <laughs> yeah. about that. And he, I was like, That's, like, that also shows his dedication. He's like, no, no, I got to show up. He also <laughs> um, was a pro masker way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> he, he, pollen bu bugged him a lot. So he would wear like a gas mask and ride his bike. And he also was like, he, he, like imagine this quirky guy Creepy. where... Uh, actually, his people liked him more than they display in the movie too. Mm, like his team sure. called him prof, like professor, mm -hmm. and they were they weren't like it wasn't the, the us versus them him like they show in yeah. the movie. They, yeah, that's they're, they're dramatized it. a bit. Sure. Still love the movie, but I'm just trying to create yeah. some accuracy. So um, he didn't get his bike fixed. As smart as he is, like he doesn't fix his bike. He would actually count the number of pedals he could do before he knew the chain would slip off, oh and then Lord. he'd stop and fix it, and then keep riding. <laughs> Um, another thing that he would do that's quirky is at work, he would actually, um, he had a chain that he would chain his coffee mug to the radiator so no one would steal it. He's just like, the I mean, a lot of, I've yeah. seen a lot of workplaces like that. Who took my mug? It's right? a lot of isms about him. Yeah. yeah so do they talk? Did you figure I, the, another scene from the movie? Sorry guys. Uh, yeah. My stuff came is more, I got not from the movie, but the, I remember the movie and the, um, where they're talking about the decision now that you know where they are um they couldn't just 
start all of a sudden bombing the boats that they knew were there because right. then it would be clear that they had cracked the code. Did I, you get into that at all? I wondered that too. Um, they had to definitely use the, some so they strategy. Knew, yeah, they knew. Of, the, I almost said strategic. I would assume that they did, but yeah. I don't. I didn't find any data to back that. The struggle here is so much of it was so top secret for so long that it's right it's hard to know yeah um uh, so i think they took some liberties based on things like that but during the war um he actually needed more um analysts helping him get messages so they could interpret them so he that's when he and his team members teamed up and wrote winston churchill immediately and or wrote him and then they immediately got funding and supplies and Mm. extra people and whatever they needed but they had already been cracking codes and found a lot of success whereas in the movie it shows it like they hadn't had success yet before winston like funded the shit out of them so winston immediately was like from the top like give them whatever they want like this is the most important thing so that's fantastic Winston um, Churchill. Were, yeah. <laughs> well, it, was a, it was a time of war, so like if they were cracking codes, they wanted to get the upper hand as soon as possible. Like mm. that would right. make sense. Mm-hmm. And I didn't write it here, but they actually built several of the machines that were cracking codes. Mm-hmm. Um and he even before he built the machine, the Bombay, there was another machine that he built before that um that was it, it's so interesting because it's like the zeros and ones that we all know about in computers. These were things that he actually helped pioneer and create. Yeah. And he created different, uh, his thought process, and actually a lot of it happened when his friend, or his, uh, it's I guess not his friend, Christopher. but Christopher died. Um, yeah. He started thinking a lot about consciousness and about the mind. And he's like, well, the mind is just a, a machine. And then he started trying to prove those theories. Hmm. And that's when he started diving heavily into creating a machine that could think. So he actually did. Um, so during the war, we talked about that. He actually also went to the U.S. and helped them set up a bunch of code breaking machines. And he worked with them um, hmm. over there for a while. Um, and then at the time of the war, he got the OBE award for his wartime services, which is the. Oh, no, I, I thought I wrote it down. It's the something British Empire. Uh, it's like the highest award you can get, but it was a top secret award. So, nice. Or like it was top secret that he got it. Mm. So he couldn't reveal. It actually wasn't until like, I, I mean, you might cover this. Like it wasn't until after he died, mm-hmm. like 30 years later. That, yeah. Yeah. And you'll probably go into that more that it was recognized because yes. a lot of these things, this early technology and the value of this early technology was so powerful that they really kept so much of this hush hush. And mm-hmm. that's why there's a lot of weird um, things to this day. So um, in 19, so a lot of the war, you know, of course, is happening in um, 1939, 1940, 1943 to 45. That's where he's doing all this code breaking work and then he gets the award technically in 1945 in 1946 Allen publishes a paper um, with the first detailed design of a stored program computer so what the significance of this is is that he had built machines that could do things but he was starting to work on and actually went uh, and worked at Manchester University to create the first computer that could remember things like just oh, if you yeah. something we take so for granted is our ability right. to just store things. Right. Like if you imagine a, a computer of that time, you turn off, you turn it back on. It just everything's wiped every single time. Right. Or even right. just like every singular task is wiped immediately right. after it's completed. Yeah. So you imagine a world without memory. I can't like our yeah. we would not be able to have what we have. Yeah. 
So the ability to store memory and the computer to remember a function makes it programmable to a whole new level. Right. So, right. and it takes, and I think at that point, this is me speculating this moment, it really makes it possible for computers to go from room size or building size down into your pocket. Uh-huh. It's, that's the avalanche of yeah. that. Between that and algorithms. Okay, so then Alice, in, in um, uh, 1950, Allen publishes the famous paper, um, Computing Machinery and Intelligence, which is the development of the tur- Turing test. So the Turing test is a test that he created to basically test a computer or machine's ability to think. So it's the theory that leads to AI. Mm. And to this day, no computer has ever been able to actually pass it it to uh-huh. prove that it is thinking conscious mm-hmm. that it is thinking out, outside itself or whatever and it's just it's so fascinating the things this it's guy it's so pioneered. fascinating kirsten my mind is being blown right right now. and this is just the cliff notes like he has an there's an entire book on him that i'm yeah. thinking about getting for my nerd brain um but uh let me go over to my other That's, page i really want to know what that test like what is in that test right i'm like can we go take that test and see if we're conscious yeah i have a lot of concerns now i have have existential crisis questions okay so he also designed the first um commercially available computer so if you think about it like computers weren't just something you could own but he helped uh create that when he worked at the university of manchester it was called the ferranti mark one um and then let's see, he was the father of artificial intelligence. I'm just making sure I went over all the major points. There's so many things that he did. I'm looking up a picture of that computer. That I want to make sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Winston Churchill. Okay, I went over that. So let me go back over to Wikipedia and just kind of go over. Uh, Lisa covered a really good of like all the different things he was known for. Um, but what did I miss? Uh, something I want to talk <laughs> about is that. He, as part of everything, was also looking into patterns of nature, and he started studying biology. So he took his brilliant brain, mm-hmm. and, and, and really what sparked it is that the human brain is a machine, right? So then he, could, he uses that externally to build machines that could think or, or compute, at least, um, which is computers. And then he takes it, and he starts studying biology, and starts, uh, he works on... Um, he he writes write something he's known for the chemical basis of mef, uh, morphogenesis so basically he was trying to crack the code of nature so i know about this as sacred geometry sure but this guy was like trying to understand and explain why there's spots why there's stripes and why there's spirals in nature and why it's everywhere and it, he was mathematically like cracking the codes and yeah. figuring it out and like this guy just like my hero and <laughs> It, it's so interesting because my conservative background, like, but it would be boggled that everything that, like, my 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 dad worked on computers my entire life. Mm-hmm. That's his career is computers, and I mean that's because of a gay person. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like it blows my mind. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, he, it just, ugh, I could. I, I feel like I could go on and on, but he... Kirsten looks dizzy right now. She's so excited. <laughs> There's so much to say, but he really did a lot of work that has a continued impact, and I feel like I only scratched the surface. Right. But I also feel like um, I'm so grateful that, you know, he he did what mm-hmm. he did, that he kept... And, and actually, in my research uh, um, on the gay side, he didn't hide it as much as the movie suggests. Right. right. And, and, and that will lead into me passing it to Kay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it'd be so interesting to see what he could do now 
with what we have now right. based on what he or if, gave us. Or if he'd been allowed, it, allowed the opportunity to continue his work mm-hmm. beyond a certain age. Right. If they hadn't yeah. you know, sent him down the path. Well, let's went. talk about that path that he ended up going down. Yes. And there's a lot of controversy, uh, uh, not only around the crime, but also around um, his death, which I think is really interesting. Um, so... In 1952, so I think you said he created that computer in like 1950 or 1948. Um, so a couple of years after that, 1952, um, he started a relationship with a man named Arnold Murray. Um, or, yeah, Murray. Arnold Murray. Uh, he's Murray. important because, uh, and that was January. So January 1952. A few days later, they were burgled. So January 23rd, they were burgled. And Arnold claimed to know the man who had burgled them. So Alan reported the crime to the police. And because of the investigation and Arnold knowing the guy who was burgled and then wondering why Arnold would have been at the house and all of this stuff, it came out that uh, Alan was in a romantic relationship with Arnold. Um, and that that relationship was a sexual one at the time, as Lisa mentioned earlier, and still at this time in 1952, homosexuality was a criminal offense. Sorry, not being homosexual, but acting upon homosexuality at that time. So both men were charged with gross indecency. So after they were burgled, they were then uh, charged for gross indecency. Great. Makes total sense to me. Right. Um, he was later convinced by the advice of his brother and his own solicitors that he enter a plea of guilty. Solicitors are lawyers. Oh, and his own lawyer. Uh, The case was called Regina versus Turing and Murray, and it was brought to trial on March 31st, 1952. He was convicted and given a choice between imprisonment and probation. His probation would be conditional on his agreement to undergo what they would call hormonal physical changes designed to reduce libido. Or chemical castration. Um, Yeah, we'll go into what it is in a second. This is my section. I'm just, I'm just excited kidding. to talk about it. <laughs> no, I looked it up because I, di- I didn't know what that was. But it's designed to reduce libido. Um, so he accepted the option of injections of a, uh, a chemical called stilboestrol, which is now known as uh, stilbestrol or DES. Um, basically, it's synthetic estrogen. So kind of a weird solution that, that, that we're going to introduce estrogen into your body to stop you from being gay but what it does is it feminizes your body um it feminizes your body so if you're a a man um it's supposed to reduce your want to have sex and your ability to get an erection the castration idea that you were talking about um that happened for the course of a year so that was his punishment um of course shooting your body up with estrogen when you're not has a lot of mental uh, and physical problems it's gonna, yeah it's gonna especially because at the time this was not super well researched nor right. you know and this isn't somebody who wants to transition this is a, no this is a dose so what happened is it made him impotent uh completely so not just when you're taking the estrogen it's from now on he was impotent it also caused him to grow breast tissue so he started having breasts form um Fulfilling in a literal sense, Turing's prediction that no doubt, this is his quote, no doubt I shall emerge from it a different man, but quite who I've not found out yet. Mm. Turing's convention led to the removal of security clearance, of his security clearance, and barred him from continuing with his cryptographic uh, consultancy for the government communications headquarter, which is the British Signals Intelligence Agency that had evolved uh, in in 1946 through his job. Mm-hmm. So he was barred of all access uh, and he was uh, basically fired on June 8th, 1954, two years later. So um, 
he did the estrogen for a year and then after that year his behavior became erratic he started to change um and on june 8th sadly uh, a year after he stopped the um the estrogen shots his housekeeper found him dead at the age of 41 he had died the previous day from cyanide poisoning uh, when his body was discovered, an apple was uh, half eaten beside his bed. And although the apple was never tested for cyanide, it was speculated that this was the, the means by which he had consumed a fatal dose. An inquest determined that he had committed suicide. Andrew Hodges and another biographer, uh, David Leavitt, have both speculated that he might have been reenacting a scene from the film Snow White, which was one of his absolute favorite fairy tales. Philosophy professor Jack Copeland has questioned various aspects of that coroner's verdict, though. So he uh, said an, an alternate explanation for his death uh, was the inhalation of cyanide feuds from an, appar uh, an apparatus used to electroplate gold onto spoons. So mm -hmm. when potassium cyanide is used to dissolve gold, it releases, uh, obviously, cyanide into the air. Um, Turing had such an apparatus set up in his tiny spare bedroom. So that... that process was was in the other room um oh, lost my spot <sighs> and uh the coroner did note that his findings were actually more consistent with the idea of inhaling uh, cyanide than it was with ingesting cyanide uh -huh. um so that would that would erase the idea that it was suicide and go more towards the fact that it was accidental cyanide poisoning um plus he also habitually ate an apple before going to bed so it wasn't unusual that there would be a half-eaten apple by his bed right um, let's see, let's see. Uh, he was engaged in highly classified work while he was also practicing homosexuality. Um, my sexuality is definitely not highly classified. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. No, this, sorry. This is important. I, I realized what I was trying to say here. Okay. So because it was known that Turing was engaging in highly classified work while he was also practicing homosexuality uh, and traveling to European countries that were near the Iron Curtain, according to a conspiracy theory, they think it's possible that the Secret Service considered him a great security risk and assassinated him uh, because they were afraid that he was giving uh, secrets to his fellow gay compadres, which was a big uh, idea during World War II that somehow gay and uh, mostly gay, but probably lesbian too, people were infiltrating um, other nations and were spreading secrets yeah, in some way. Like they were gays. seducing, you right. know, high ranking officials and getting secrets from them. Um, Do you think that works? That reminds seducing me of the high ranking officials because I'm about to go knock on Elizabeth Warren's door. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes. That brings a couple things to mind. First, the Red Sparrow movie with. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then um, the other one is I heard that when I, when I was reading, yeah, they were saying that that's why his security clearance was taken away is because they were afraid that right. he would get uh take it like that the like, soviet union would get would secrets could from use him. him i'm so curious about that i'm like do you guys go home from your secret security jobs and tell your wives all your secrets is no that and it's why like you because gay you're gay you're more easily seduced right. why why like, what is it, what I, is that question in it's really head? the idea is that it's a game between men for men. So if you're a gay man, you can seduce a man. But a woman, I mean, a woman wouldn't seduce another man and be able to get secrets out of him. That's no, crazy. Never. never at all. Oh, my God. Sorry. It just reminds <laughs> me of all the, when we were talking about the military, we yeah. talked about how there's this illusion that gay people are so much more hypersexualized. Right. And right. that it's so much, like, we're just, it's... Ugh. Well, and I think, too, it took me a really long time to see the, like... um 
I think it's a really interesting conversation, the idea that it was a game between men and that lesbians and women in general were completely discounted as threats, as assets, right. as anything. You right. know? Which is why so many women were used as higher intelligence officers because yeah. women could get in and out. like that woman I talked about that like would hide messages in her yeah it's like her yeah during World War II they used Girl Scouts because no one would yeah. suspect Girl Scouts I just finished a book uh, called I don't uh, um, uh, it's, it's Night? a bird Nightingale Nightingale good job yeah Nightingale which is about two sisters who saved a lot of people it's a fictional story but same idea that because she's a, a girl she's less threatening and therefore not a, a more threat. inconspicuous yeah so we should all sign up to be spies I would love to be a spy First of all. First of all. You How guys. do we know you aren't already? I am one. Oh, for who? Your mama. <laughs> <laughs> You're telling Beth? <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. She deserves a little fun. Yeah. Um, I've been on the payroll for years. So, <laughs> so uh, I think this is what you were touching on, but we might want to go back to what you were talking about in case this isn't it. But years later, uh, the Alan Turing Law was uh, enacted, which is an informal term for the law in the United Kingdom, which contained several policing and crime acts. Um, contained, sorry, contained in the Policing and Crime Act of 2017, which serves as an amnesty law to pardon men who were cautioned or convicted under historical legislation that outlawed homosexual acts. So it's called the Alan Turing Law because he's the most famous person pardoned, but basically it was an act that pardoned everybody. And then he also received a royal pardon posthumously in 2013. Nice. From the Queen? Uh, yes, it would have had to have been from the Queen, wow. wouldn't it? Postures. Yeah, there was one from the Queen. And then um, Royal Pardon. Uh, Prime Minister Gordon Brown in 2009 made a public apology saying that the treatment of Alan Turing was appalling. Yeah. Oh, oh I love that. Look I'm at so that. Glad. UK but it's like, it's like too little too late. I mean, if you believe in, right. in heaven or ghosts or the idea that somehow he can feel that or know that, then it's nice. But if you don't, it's sort of like, who, who are you announcing that for? Sure. The well, he's yeah, his family. Well, they're also announcing it to open up the floodgates of there are so many people in the scientific mathematical whatever mm -hmm. world that mm -hmm. do identify as other than yeah. straight whatever yeah and straight cisgendered blah 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 there's like there is so much more and and to know that we will honor you as you are and your contributions yeah right we just Absolutely. want your math <laughs> yeah okay. i'm just That's, i just like you because of your math i just need your math son i don't I don't care who you're bugging. Yeah. <laughs> it's so interesting. Like when I was reading about him in, as a young child, what stuck out to me is he in school, it was very much like they would read a lot and it was a lot of literature and studying of Latin and stuff like that. And so studying the sciences wasn't commonplace. He actually was very much self-taught because mm, it wasn't right. curriculum. Right. I'm yeah. like, can you imagine going to school now and there's no math or science or very right. little? Like that's yeah. why he in, developed such a... a, a, a you know, close relationship with uh, Christopher because they is were because both math heads. and they were like creating codes Aww. together and playing together in math as well. Like that was almost like I guess their flirtation language is what I so would call sad. it. Right. But, but what a what a wonderful thing that these two young men at the same age at the same time and place found each other mm -hmm. and spoke that same language of math. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's like two poets finding each other. Or yeah. two, do you know what I mean? I'm like their poetry was math. How yeah. freaking and fantastic is that? <laughs> There's an art and a beauty in that. I mean, music is math. So yeah. it's like it all, we're like, oh, it's something, this is so left brain, this is so right brained. I'm like, no, it all melds back into itself. If yeah. Depending on what angle you look at it. And yeah. it's beautiful. I tell you what, Alan Turing, 
Yeah, that was really, really cool. And I like breaking up a person into yeah. three parts. Yeah. So to try and fully understand the section. I hope that also people take the opportunity to like really do some research and find out more about it. Like we just watch you know, the movie, even yes. if it's not totally accurate, it's very good. Yeah. The Invitation Game is the name of the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's, it's wonderful to see the contribution of the gay community outside of quote unquote being gay. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's so much to be offered by people who just happen to be smart. Doesn't right. matter what skin color they are. Doesn't matter what their orientations are. It doesn't matter what gender they are. Like human beings have things to offer. Yeah. And if we would just listen more, I think. And it's one of the biggest sadness of history that there may be so many other figures like that who would have in this day and age identified as gay or, or bi or, or um, lesbian or trans or whatever and they don't and we don't we'll never know because that was so it was so unheard of back then and, and a lot of them didn't even have the language to speak about it you know right. um so i think that's that's a, a disappointment that we don't have more accurate information on things like that right yeah well i think by giving voice to it we can share what is known yeah. and encourage more histories to be uh, found and shared like even uh, what we're you know Ann Lister her, we, we haven't we're I'm not going to touch into that yeah right. too much yet but the idea that but you know that was yeah that was we something that was hidden and then re-hidden mm-hmm. you know there's probably right. a lot of histories that are still out there that Absolutely. we haven't found and, yeah. and uncovered and made public yet right and creating permissions for that could change so much I just read know. I just finished the book Devil in the White City which is about the Great Chicago Fair and I always like the history nerd I am love listening to the afterward where they talk about all the information and how they got it and where it was and what they found and you think you have it all online you do you do not mostly you have the thoughts of your contemporaries online that's what you have but very few people are actually putting a lot of the old texts online so he would go into like these the the you know the washington dc history museum and he'd go to the catacombs and he'd find that one copy of the autobiography that this guy wrote in 1875 and it's not online so that's the only place you can read it and there's so much of that that's Mm -hmm. untapped you know right so i i just think that's really interesting that's like yeah you can go online and and much like that girl was saying her feedback of like we only have access to what we we are think we're seeing you know, there's so much more behind that and so much more that we haven't read. It's right. that's very interesting. If you're a historical fiction reader, please read the afterword. It's it's very informative and exciting <laughs> for the nerds like me. Yay. Fantastic. Yay. Team. Well, go Alan Turing and happy 25th episode. Yes. We did Thank it. You. 25. And thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, bye. 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 Flag fly. Yay.